Hey, George Shevchuk here with WhitePostStudio.com. Welcome. Um, I'm here with Benjamin Scalera and Daniel Scalera. And today we'd like to talk to you folks about education in America. Um, yeah, one of the things that I uh, was told by uh, my middle boy, Constantine, is that he was very disappointed in uh, history, for example, that it focused too much on things like dates, and it really didn't get into the, um, the stories and the intrigues of all the things that happened between the different personalities in history that would have probably given uh, him and all the other students of history a much richer understanding of uh, what actually transpired in the past. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, it's important to focus on the general theme of what's actually happening and why it's happening and not focus too much on exactly the dates because some people have a hard time remembering those kind of things. Uh, even names are uh, much easier to remember than dates. Yeah, I just finished uh, reading a book uh, called uh, The Light and the Glory, and it's about the history of the United States, well, well, what became eventually the United States, but the history of the New World from Columbus in 1492 all the way up to, I think it was like about 1797, something like that. And um, it talked uh, about uh, the Mayflower... Um, uh, packed and uh, uh, all the different things and the different characters, uh, uh, the John Smiths of uh, the early settlers and then later on the Winthrops, uh, John Winthrop and, uh, and, for, and others, people later on in history like John Witherspoon, people that were involved with uh, the, um, uh, the faith and how a lot of uh, the formation of the early settlements were heavily faith-based, and uh, the uh, the dramas and the intrigues and the uh, struggles and the tragedies and all the things, uh, the victories, the things that transpired that really made it a fascinating uh, story, and uh, much more than just names and dates. And I think that that's a lot of what's missing in uh, uh, education as far as history is concerned. And not just American history, but I would imagine the same would hold true for uh, uh, history of different countries around the world. Uh, so that's something that maybe we could uh, remedy uh, by uh, some of our content and, and maybe even uh, encourage us and other people to uh, create... Uh, uh, education that's got more substance and and you said something earlier uh, to me off uh, uh, when we were not recording about how you think that uh, a lot of things that you learned were not uh, um, uh, taught to you in a way where you were uh, shown how you could have had practical application right uh, a lot of students uh, in in class it's a question that keeps coming up the students ask the teacher when are we ever going to use this and the teacher might come up with something but a lot of times 
the things you learn in school you never use and it school should teach you more things that you actually can use a lot uh, after a few years people forget things that they're not using that's the way the brain works and just and and because of that the schools end up reteaching some of the same things over and over again they're, they're teaching things that you're not using just so that you can pass the test in class. Yeah, that's true. There's, there's, uh, seems like as if uh, everything is uh, pass or fail, and uh, um, it's not so much uh, uh, a, a detailed analysis of uh, um, uh, just being able to spit back uh, and, and, on, on paper what if what you were able to absorb and memorize I've noticed that in a lot of other professions I I know uh, uh, people that are uh, uh, doctors that if you ask them about um, medical uh, information and uh, things that they've learned uh, the whole spectrum from anatomy to uh, different types of diseases uh, they can give it right back to you like like they pulled it out of the textbook but what a lot of them are missing is the ability to take this information and to manipulate it in order to come up with a solution and that's one of the things that I think that's missing in education is people are not taught how to think right School should teach you how to think so you can apply it to anything you see instead of memorizing uh, things that you don't need. And if you uh, know how to think, you can uh, find the solution for anything that comes up that you need. In that same vein, I remember it, my grandmother uh, always taught me something that made more sense to me as I got older. She said that when you read something, don't just read what you read, but learn how to read between the lines. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of times, a lot of people just see the surface. They, they, they can't penetrate to be able to comprehend, you know, the things that might have more depth to them. Uh, one illustration may be that I came up with that uh, is like when you look at uh, the map of the world, or a globe and you see where the land is and you see where the oceans are and it's clear that this is the dividing lines between the land and the oceans but what you don't see are the lines that are even more important than those lines and those are the lines that determine the uh, tectonic plates and how they relate to one another and that is an example of how people see things on the surface one way but it's a metaphor for them not being able to see past what's on. Not to build or, or not to move to because you don't want to be in a place where there's going to be a lot of earthquakes. Yeah, and I guess one of the most famous ones is the Ring of Fire that goes around the Pacific Ocean. Right.
Yeah, sure. Well, that that's that's the kind of thing where people just, you know, I, I actually I I say I call people that that uh, just spit out, you know, what they've learned. Like like, and sometimes you even when you're talking to people that watch the news, you realize right away that they haven't thought anything through. They're just basically telling you back what they heard on the news, like a parrot. And what I think is important is not just to hear what people say on the news and then run around repeating it like a parrot, but being able to listen what you're being told and try to judge. Is this, is this real? Is this BS? Does this make sense? Is there more to the story than this? And how does this relate with other information that I know? And try to then use this information to put together your own picture of what's really happening in the world. And to be able to do that, people need to be taught every side of a story. Because there's no, not everyone believes in the same truth. Not everyone believes that the same things are true. So if you tell people that these people believe this is true, and this group believes that this is true, and this uh, evidence says that maybe this is true, then you can allow people to decide for themselves and uh, w with their own critical thinking which one sounds like it has the best evidence or which one they think is true. Well, well each party has to be able to make, make their case. Right. So, so the problem is, one of the biggest problems with education now is we have a few people in charge of what everyone's going to learn, and what, well, sometimes what they decide is true, maybe not everyone agrees with, and then a whole bunch of people go to school board meetings and say, oh, well, uh, why are you teaching this to our students? And they get very angry, and then the security comes and takes them away, or who knows what... But that's, that's been in the news a lot recently, how some uh, parents were taken away by the police out of the school board meeting. That shouldn't have to be uh, that, that way. You shouldn't have to get to that point. But it, that just shows how some of the teachers really think that they know so much better than the parents. And, and, and the teachers think that the parents shouldn't even be allowed to decide what their children are taught. Well, that's because I think that the teachers, to a large extent, are propagating false doctrine. And if you, are, if you think that your position is true, you should never be able to be afraid of debate or being able to have your arguments see the light of day. Because the sunlight ends up, you know, eventually showing the world what is really true and what is not true. So a lot of times when you feel that people are censoring or they want to stymie any controversy that goes against whatever their uh, opinions and philosophies are, it's because they know that if their, their position the, cannot stand the test of uh, debate. Mm -hmm. And what you said about uh, how their arguments are, are seeing the light uh, that happened so much more during uh, the COVID lockdown because people, uh, the students were not allowed to go to the school. They were learning from home. And uh, when the students were learning from home and the parents were working from home, everyone could see what each other is doing. The parents could finally see exactly what the teachers were teaching on the computer screens to the students. 
And a lot of parents were got very angry because they saw exactly what was happening. There was no hiding it anymore. There was no way to hide it because the, the parents saw exactly what the students saw. See, there were, there were uh, um, un, unforeseen uh, consequences of the uh, lockdown of the lockdowns and all the other different actions that the authorities took that they they did not foresee and it ended up biting them in the butt right a lot of see some of the authorities thought that a lockdown could be good for some of their goals but uh, it, it actually ha ended up having negative effects on other goals that they had and it's it, it um, they, they went too far and uh, they, they were too brazen and, and uh, sh allowing their uh, things to be seen in the light and, and now there's a lot more pushback against what they're what they're doing than they expected yeah it's funny how things always work out that way in life uh, where uh, uh, you know, uh, people try to uh, pull a fast one and it ends up uh, the old what goes around comes around kind of thing happens. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, truth uh, is not afraid of debate. And uh, censorship is definitely has to go the way of the dinosaur. Uh, obviously, I'm not a big advocate of uh, perversion or pedophilia or pornography. Those are the type of things that there should be uh, controls over, especially when there's exposure to the youth. But when it comes to honest opinions and uh, uh, on any topic, actually the, the opinion that is the most um, um, repugnant to the authorities is probably the opinion that most needs to be spoken. Hmm. I remember there uh there was one time when I was speaking to a priest, and he said, oh, oh there should be some things that are censored. He said, that, uh, we should not allow information on the internet for how to make bombs. But really, that's just information. And really, bombs can be used for good things, too. Uh, sometimes you have to uh, blast a demolition. To, to create something new sometimes you have to blast away some part of uh, a mountain to create a road uh, there, there's plenty of good uses for things that could also be used in a bad way so I really don't think that their um, information about bombs should be censored and uh, how about nuclear bombs even nuclear uh nuclear bombs maybe you could uh have an experiment in your backyard and make uh, an improvement to uh, nuclear energy who knows but uh like everyone has their own ideas and if you decide that you want to censor something else that you don't like then it's possible that uh the, uh, whoever's in charge of the censoring will start coming after you eventually w would start uh, censoring your own ideas. And I've noticed some of that myself with uh, some of uh, the liberals who don't usually get censored uh, 
when they do get censored and uh, are now uh, going crazy like oh you're canceling me how could you cancel me it's as if uh, only other people are allowed to get censored not them because they have been in, in control of the censoring so long they didn't even expect it you know that um, uh, part of the problem is that uh, in the whole philosophy of the nanny state they basically uh, treat the citizens like as if they're children in in an in an ideal society which I think we were closer to the ideal society probably 50 or 70 years ago than we are today people were more responsible and they were more moral and I think that one of the reasons why they're less moral today than they were back then is because Christianity has is substantially weaker in America today than it was 50 or 70 years ago wouldn't you say yeah uh, part of that is problems in the church in some ways uh, the church is not attracting people to come to church the way they used to well there's there's a there there's a lot of things going on here first of all uh, it, to the extent that the church is to blame, um, I think that uh, one of the problems that I, th I think is a problem is the whole idea of what they call the 501c3. Do you know what that is? Tax-exempt uh, status. Tax the tax-exempt tax status. And, and there was a time, if you read, like for example, I mentioned that book, The Light and the Glory, back in the day, the preachers were fearless and they were willing to speak speak out on anything and these days the churches are very afraid to step out of the boundaries uh, that they are allowed to uh, stay in because they're afraid to lose that tax-exempt status and I personally think that there should be no registration of any churches when any 501c3 or anything like that and any a uh, pastor or preacher or priest should be able to speak on any political topic that they want to speak on and as it relates to morality and their religion. Because when people start talking about the separation of church and state, they're making a big mistake. Historically, the separation was to keep the government from influencing its power over the church but never to stop the church from being able to exert its influence to the public and over the society. Right. I actually heard George Washington say that uh, to me uh, I, when I went to uh, Colonial Williamsburg in Virginia. There was someone uh, dressed as George Washington uh, who, who studied a lot of... Uh, George Washington so he could act as the character. He's someone asked him a question when he's in character something about separation of church and state and he said that it, it, the, the separation of church and state was never meant to uh, keep the uh, like you said it, it, oh we have a we have a fourth guest <laughs> yeah that was that was Misha our our dog we call him Misha bear so yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the guy acting as the character of Washington said the, 
The separation of church and state was never meant to stop the church from influencing the state. It was only meant to stop the state from influencing the church. So uh, we find ourselves in a situation now where uh, you have uh, you don't have the free exchange of ideas anymore, and I'm afraid that if we don't resist and uh, try to reverse the trend. There'll come a point in time when you're not going to be able to uh, uh, pass gas without getting a permit. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a, that sounds like a scary society like what you see in the dystopian novels like 1984 and Brave New World. Uh, you know, the, the I think sometimes, sometimes I think I want to have a. a great ex uh, place where we can exchange ideas and debate everything freely that that's what the internet was supposed to be in some ways it was a uh, a big place where all the information can be stored and then people can communicate uh, the the founders of the internet never expected to see uh so many uh, dangerous hackers and, and uh they, they didn't expect to see so much censorship uh, in the way the internet eventually became either. Uh, I, I think the internet should be a lot more free uh, with uh, less censorship. But you know, going back to uh, you know getting information on making uh, bombs and nuclear bombs and that kind of thing, I wanted to make a comment about that. It, you know that there's, there's two things there that should be addressed. One of them is that in, in a moral uh, society where people have uh, some kind of a, a religious moral spinal column to the to the society, there is a sense of what is right and wrong. And even those delinquent people within the society that do not appreciate or understand morally what is right and wrong, they, in days gone by, they were punished severely if they were to do anything to hurt anybody in society. And that's one of the things that's missing today. So as much as I am against censorship, I also feel that the revolving door of justice is partially to blame to our uh, current predicament, where the police officers are arresting criminals and liberal judges are letting them right back out on the street with uh, just a, a slap on the wrist at best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that, especially uh, there's a lot of stories that for California where there's been a lot of videos of people going into stores and stealing. Actually, even in uh, New Jersey, uh, uh, I guess all over America, there's these laws where the, the security guards and the police are not allowed to stop whoever is stealing. Who, I heard that at Walmart, there, there's a lot of people that go in and steal, and the cameras re can record everything, but no one's allowed to touch the person at all. So you can't arrest them. The only thing they can do is send a citation, uh, so then the person goes to court and pays $250 or something. But then it, it was a profit for them if the uh, merchandise they took was worth more than $250. So they're going to just keep stealing so that it, it, it doesn't matter how many uh, fines they have to pay because the, the uh, merchandise they took is worth a lot more than that. Well, 
that what's his name Ashcon or something like that the 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 uh, prosecutor in California uh, anyway it's insanity you know that what you just said reminded me of a story that I want to tell you because it probably happened you know before your time but when I was your age or maybe even younger there was an incident that happened in Singapore of all places where some ambassador in Singapore had his spoiled brat child over there and uh, he took some uh, black uh, spray paint and spray painted a bunch of graffiti on a bunch of uh, white uh, Mercedes Benz and they ended up catching the kid and in Singapore in that day and I don't know maybe today but back then the punishment was for him to pull down his drawers and to give him a good whipping with this long black um, fiberglass pole they called it a cane they called it caning and when they got done whipping his butt his butt would blow up like a basketball and he wouldn't be able to sit for probably a week you know until after uh, all of the swelling and extremely immensely painful to the point where a person could actually pass out from the pain that kind of punishment well of course there was a big uh, hubble you know big outcry and the media, even then it was liberal, was shown, showed this on TV, thinking the American people would be morally outraged how dare Singapore do this to American citizen. But they were shocked to find out that the overwhelming majority of the people said, yeah, cane that little bastard, and they wish you'd do the same thing to people that do that kind of thing here in America as well. Well, you can, let me tell you, that news story disappeared the next day you never heard anything about it anymore mm -hmm. and I think that that uh, this whole you know what, what's happening today is like really nuts and a lot of it right away boils down to some kind of a racial issue and they say oh you know you, you if you're against uh, you know or you have something negative to say about this it's because you are a racist or you, or you uh, have something against uh, these uh, poor unfortunate, or you have white privilege. Well, I wanted to address that issue here for a minute. I wanted to tell you that white pr privilege is not something that just comes out of nowhere. Privilege is something that is earned. It's a reputation. Now, you may not deserve the reputation you have because of your loose association with some kind of a group, but if you have a bad reputation as a group, then the whole group suffers because of that reputation. And I think that people have to take responsibility not for themselves as individuals, but also for the groups that they represent. And one of the things that would uh, help very much is if somebody belongs to a certain group, whether it's ethnic or racial or religious or, or whatever it is, that they make sure that the members of their own group are living up to high standards. There was a time, I'm sorry to talk so much, but I just no, want to okay. make one last comment about when I was 20 years old, I traveled to Russia and I visited a city. Part of the tour that I went on was in a place called Sochi, which was also um, on the uh, Black Sea. And uh, when I was on a bus in Sochi, there was a, uh, a drunk, that got on the bus and he was making a spectacle out of himself. And uh, I could understand what was going on because I can speak Russian. 
and uh, the other people that were on the bus, I mean, they really got on this drunk's case. And, I, and, and they didn't think that I knew what they were saying, but what they were saying to him was, how dare you embarrass us with your behavior? And, and they really, you know, pushed him around and, and, they, and they, were, uh, um, were, they, were, they were very tough on him. And I think that that kind of a thing is kind of a good thing because you're not just concerned about your own behavior, but you're concerned about the behavior of anybody that you think can be associated to you as well. Mm. The well there's a few reasons we don't have that in America as much because like, America is more individualistic, uh, where, where people decide that they can do something on their own without any help. They, they think they can... Uh, go to school and become successful without any help. It's kind of the attitude a lot of people have. And not only that, in America there's a lot of different kinds of cultures that are mixed. If there was the same kind of people, well then the, the, those people who are very similar would support each other and um, help each other or criticize each other if, the, if there was someone doing something wrong. But. Um, Russia is also very multi-ethnic, isn't it? Well, uh, not like America. I mean, you might have some uh, Muslims here and there, but uh, uh, I think that, I mean, it's not like Japan, but, but Russia is more monolithic, and it's, uh, it's, it's oh, by the way, that's when I type in into um, um, uh, social media the word monoculture, it, it acts like as if the word doesn't exist. And that's kind of funny to me because multiculturalism is a very popular term. But if you say monoculturalism, that's a very politically unpopular term. And, and uh, I think that uh, Russia and places like Japan, they more or less have a monocultural kind of a society. And, um, yeah, so I, I've heard about Russia that it's uh, very multi-ethnic, but lots of uh, most most of the ethnicities identify themselves of, as Russian, even though they've got other heritages. But they tend to live in their own regions, right? And uh, and and of course, Russia is much less than the Soviet Union was. Mm -hmm. You know, the Soviet Union was a very multi-ethnic. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, grouping or whatever all the way down to Georgia and to the borders of Afghanistan and everything right when it covered a lot more area right right but yeah I think it's like you know how uh, sometimes the liberals say diversity is our strength but I think it's actually the opposite because sometimes diversity can cause a lot of uh, disagreements that are very hard to resolve and uh, they they can cause conflicts sometimes you know that I, I I'll tell you that it seems to me that people in positions of power secretly tend to be very clannish within their own groups, but they advocate diversity and multiculturalism for everybody else because those things are just euphemisms for divide and conquer. Mm. A lot of rich people say, oh, why don't you take in all these illegal immigrants to your homes and give them a place to stay? But they would never do that themselves. And actually, I think there was one that maybe did that, and then they found out what it's like. 
and they tried to uh, get the, the uh, out of that situation get, to get rid of the person from their property. There was a time in America that uh, when there were blue laws, you must have heard of blue laws. Bergen County still has blue laws. Yeah. Okay, but the, but they were very prevalent throughout the the country, more so in the past than they are today. There's only a few places that still have it. Bergen County, New Jersey, and some other. And area. and the reason why everything got watered down in that regard is because now we have all different kinds of cultures. So you see, when you start sharing your country with other cultures, you actually start losing your own culture in the process. And I know that this is a very um, politically incorrect thing to say, but the Bible says that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And this whole notion of having, you know, uh, multiple languages, like they're trying to make uh, America a bilingual society by having Spanish and English, these are just harbingers of uh, disaster for the future. What do you think? I don't know if it's really necessary to have a national established language. Other, other places like the Philippines or India, uh, they went with the language of their conquerors because they couldn't come up with the uh, language for uh, themselves because uh, then it would be them imposing their own language onto the minorities because uh, just because uh, uh, there were a lot of cultures in India, a lot of cultures in the Philippines, and they and the minority cultures refused to give in to the ma- majority culture, so they just like split the difference and went with their uh, completely foreign language. Do you know that the Philippines has many many dialects? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think one of the reasons why they adopted like their invaders' language is because because they were weak from the standpoint that they were so divided because each each one of those little groups with right. their little dialects were were separated over time and and they were not unified as a nation right and the same thing with the people in india they were very divided because partly because of the geography there is a lot of different uh, groups that are in india they um i'm pretty sure they were never united as one country until the british came there and uh when the british uh took india as a colony they established um the English as the language for India to unite by. And when I was working with uh, Indian people at work, they were actually saying they would like to thank the Queen of England, or uh, they, they would like to thank England for uh, colonizing England because, India. It, it, yeah, for colonizing India because. Uh, they're actually given a common language. So a lot of them in uh, India are using uh, English as the language to communicate between people who wouldn't, uh, uh, who previously did not have a common language. Uh, Both- But the majority ethnic language there is Hindi, uh, but then there's so many other minority languages and minorities uh, refuse, uh, might not want to, uh, use the Hindi language, which would show that, oh, that uh, ethnicity is dominant over us, so that's, it, it's not 
just that they don't have a, uh, a single majority language. It's that they want a single language that none of them are native to, so that none of them feel superior. But I'm pretty sure Hindi was not as common uh, throughout India before England got there. Uh, Hindi became uh, more common because uh, it needed to spread so that uh, the people from far away could communicate with each other. Yeah, I know this, that I India is, um, you know, in the past it was a highly... Uh, caste-oriented uh, society with with the different castes, mm -hmm. and that seems to be uh, something that is uh, uh, lessening in intensity. There seems to be more and more mixture, intermarriages between different castes. So there there is a homogenization uh, that's taking place. To what extent, I'm not sure. But there is, there is a certain homogenization happening in India, which personally I think is uh, uh, to India's benefit. Right. But a lot of that is because of outside influence. I'm pretty sure the, the caste system mostly was just able to appear in the first place because India was so isolated from the outside world for so long. If, uh, since they were um, not really communicating with other countries for hundreds or thousands of years, th they had Alexander a very... The, Alexander the Great conquered uh, all the way up into the Indian subcontinent. Right, but m most of the time, uh, India didn't really communicate with outside countries. A am I right? Which, with the Silk Road was? Okay. Well, yeah, the Silk, the Silk Road must have gone through India. I'm not sure exactly the, the exact path of the Silk Road, but uh, uh, interestingly enough, it's from what I heard rumors that China is trying to reconstruct the Silk Road in modern times. Have you heard anything about that? Do you mean the Belt and Road Initiative? Yeah, I guess so, that's it, yeah. Yeah, China's Belt and Road uh, project is to get... Uh, they construct bridges for other countries, and uh, th those countries are unable to pay for the construction, so it, it puts them into debt. Then they have to keep paying China for many years. It's mm. about connecting China to uh, Europe through... Uh, they, they originally wanted to do it through Kazakhstan, but uh, recent uh, events in Kazakhstan made it questionable if they can maintain uh, that route through the Kazakhstan land route you know i i must confess that the thought has crossed my mind being a student of the bible that uh, whether it's just ironic that uh, china's building this uh, road reconstructing this road across asia again and then you have those prophecies and revelations of the 200 million uh, man army that's going to some future date descend upon the middle east hmm. So who knows if there's a connection there or not. But uh, China does seem to be one of the only countries in the world that could uh, uh, theoretically put together an army of that size. But yeah, anyway, get, getting back to education. Uh, I think that uh, education uh, is uh, of a higher quality. I, I'm sure you guys agree that, that uh, 
uh, everybody in this country would benefit if, if pe people had uh, freedom to choose where they want to send their kids to school. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe uh, if they had a choice, they might choose something more like uh, the way they do schooling in other countries. Uh, I, I heard a story recently that there were uh, two uh, twins from uh, South Korea who were separated, and one of them ended up getting adopted by someone in America. And the, the one who, was, uh, who grew up in America had a uh, lower IQ and uh, was fatter than the one who grew up in South Korea. Mm. It could have something to do with the way pe we live or the way we do schooling in America. Yeah, I do know that uh, consuming too much sugar has a detrimental effect on a person's, you know, thinking ability. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, the, the education, competition is the key. If you have freedom, if, if parents have the freedom, and, and they should not be forced to pay, you know, like being forced to pay for public education with your taxes, like, like my wife and I, we were forced to pay for public education with our taxes without a, without a tax exemption, even though we paid uh, additionally and separately for our kids to go to private school from uh, kindergarten through the end of college. Right, so it's like anyone who goes to a private school or a religious school or whatever, you, the, the parents are paying twice. You're paying for uh, their, their own, uh, yeah, they're paying the taxes for uh, whoever's going to the school, the public school, and they're paying for their own children going to a private school. It's like everything else, people should be allowed to vote with their pocketbook. Right, and that's why we've heard of uh, some politicians advocating for a voucher system where if you uh, want to go to another school, you can, uh, I don't know, at least get some of the money back to uh, use in whatever school you like. That's the only way you're going to be able to not reward failure. And in a lot of cases, public, education at the present time has failed us. It's failed the, the young people that have uh, been educated by it and uh, uh, I mean they're just basically pushed through the system and out the other door at the end of graduation they're graduating with without even the minimal basic skills that uh, children at one time uh, had uh, decades ago. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of signs of a nepotism in the public school system, uh, in even what I've seen locally in our, our town. There's a lot of people who just hire whoever uh, they know, who, their friends or their family, instead of hiring teachers who might actually be good at their job. And uh, sometimes people who get to their job, they just do whatever they need to do to keep the job instead of actually trying to do it well. Like, they, they do the minimum re required to, to keep the job. Yeah, I can see that. You know, my wife and I, we were products of public school education. However, we, were, we went through the system a long time ago when it was in a lot better shape than it is today. And uh, I remember when I was in high school one time, and uh, this is like uh, the late 60s, 
and we had a biology teacher who was just basically a bum. And this guy came in there, and uh, he would uh, had this really laid-back attitude. We were barely learning anything. He was socializing more than teaching. And then when it came to giving a test, he let everybody give each other the, the grade that they thought that they deserved. And, and, and I, 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 eventually the, the, the guy got fired, but he was a forerunner of, I think, the kind of teachers we have uh, today in public school education. Mm. Well, even in, uh, even in the Catholic school, I've seen some teachers who just want to uh, sit back and, and show uh, movies as often as they can. Uh, I, I remember there, in the Spanish class, we watched the phone booth movie a lot of times. But anyway, uh, not, most teachers are not like that. Uh, but the thing is, with oh, public yeah, school... Yeah, we, we, should, we should definitely say that. There are excellent teachers out there. And, and thank God, there's still some of them out there. So we're not poo-pooing the whole profession. But what allows the things to get worse is that public school is a monopoly. They are uh, so, so many students go to their school that they have control of most of the system, most of the money for education, and they don't have much competition, they don't have much going against them. So they can do just about whatever they want without worrying much about losing money or losing their jobs. When you're guaranteed an income, uh, like tenure or anything else, uh, it's like communism. You know, by the way, wh why doesn't communism work? And, and it's basically related to this whole idea of public education being so bad. When there's no competition, when you're not uh, monitored and you're not advanced or, or, uh, um, or uh, taken down by judge, judging by your performance, that leads to, uh, to apathy. It leads to laziness it leads to a reduction in quality you know i have a theory by the way i want to bounce it off you guys and see what you think you know because to me this is kind of uh, there's a relationship between this and communism you know that in my opinion when karl marx uh and frederick engel came up with uh, the whole theory of communism i don't think that they ever in their own minds believed that it could ever work because these these were these were economists and these were very intelligent people and i think that they should have been able to see that if you're going to pay everybody the same amount of money human nature being the way it is the new game in town is how little can i do and still get paid mm -hmm. so so that's basically why communism always fails i mean it's always some kind of a a charade it never really actually works um, and uh, I think the real reason why communism was invented is, is not for the sake of more justice in humanity, but it was just a mechanism by which um, uh, to uh, wrestle uh, power away from the monarchy back in that day. Because because there were monarchies all yeah. over the place, you know. Yeah, I, I would also put that in uh, taking power away from monarchies, uh, the idea of the spread of uh, democracy. Because 
when you have a democracy, you, you're, corp you're uh, in essence corporatizing responsibility because then there's no single person at the top that's responsible for anything that goes wrong. Because uh, then, oh, it's not my fault. It's the other. It's my. It's the opposition's fault that didn't get passed. It's not my fault. It's that other guy's fault. I'm not in power. There's other. There's people opposing me, and it gets, becomes more convoluted. Yes, uh, and uh, in that same in that line, uh, if there was debts in a nation, uh, then maybe then it was just the king that had the debt, and uh, who knows uh, what would happen to that debt when uh, next when the next king came along. But as long as the nation is corporatized as a democratic entity, then it's the nation itself, not the king. There's no personal debts. It's the nation's debt. By the way, what do you, how do you feel about corporations being um, um, vehicles by which um, we have lost control of our country? I, I mean, on the one hand, I understand the benefit that corporations provide. But on the other hand, they've gotten to be so big and, and they've become international and multicultural. And I think that they've, uh, uh, because they worship the bottom line, the dollar, um, that they uh, have lost contact with any kind of uh, national interest for the countries in which they operate. Yeah, in some ways, the, uh, a lot of corporations have become more powerful than entire countries. And sometimes uh, companies are able to tell the country what to do. I've heard a lot of people saying uh, Washington, D.C. is controlled by the lobbyists, you know, who, who pay off the uh, congressmen. And... The, the amount of money that the Congress people have is, uh, if, if you look at how much they have, it can't possibly be paid by only their salary as a congressman. It's Most of their money is made by uh, getting bribes from the lobbyists who tell uh, ask them to vote a certain way for uh, the interests of some company or corporation for, for whatever they, they want. That's why in America today we've got the best government that money can buy. Mm. <laughs> I, th I think that, you know, the only counterbalance that I can think of against these kind of corporations are actually the churches of our country. The churches and now the synagogues, the mosques, you know, whatever have you, uh, uh, the temples, um, whatever religion you have, these, these religions should be the new centers of corporate Christian power to try to um, balance the power of these uh, um, corporations that have no uh, um, moral basis but only uh, answer to the bottom uh, to the bottom line as far as the dollar is concerned right well if more people were going to church then they could recognize and, and the, the evil that's going on around them and, and uh, ask for there to be more consequences maybe or, or if, if the people in the company uh, are in the in the church and recognize what the evil is then maybe they would feel more guilty the part of the problem is when 
someone does something wrong for so long that they stop feeling guilty and they're desensitized yeah if something's happening all around you and all the other corporations are doing it all all the even the little companies are doing it why why should you feel guilty and so certain laws actually are uh, get ignored because people don't care about uh what's right and wrong anymore sometimes and uh it, it looks like a lawless society when uh the laws get ignored and, and they're not enforced yeah yeah De these uh, being desensitized uh, um uh, people being desensitized is a problem but but in addition to that there is a lack of fear of breaking the law uh, because this, the system is so lenient on criminals. I've, I heard uh, that in, uh, I mean, the Russians, they have, they have <laughs> very, I, I don't know how it is or where it comes from, but they've got ways of punishment that, that scare the hell out of their own people. So when they make a law, you don't have too many lawbreakers because they understand the consequences. And one of the punishments they have is they put you in a room that is only basically like a foot and a half to two feet by two feet. And you're forced to stand. And they make you stand in that room for days to the point where you can no longer stand and you're bending and twisting. Your knees are hurting. And, and you can just imagine the agony of being in that position for days and when people can imagine the kind of suffering that, that they could put you through as punishment for what you did, you know, I, I'm, not an, I'm not a masochist and I don't enjoy hurting people, but there has to be fear of breaking the law. If you have no fear of breaking the law, if you think you're going to do something heinous and then you're going to go to jail, write a book and then become a millionaire, that's not going to fly. There's got to be, don't you agree that people have to be afraid of, of breaking the law and they have to be, they have to have respect for the law? Mm -hmm. Part of that goes back to the idea of the society uh, shouldn't be too diverse because if everyone sees each other as what, an, another of their own kind, like you, you look out for your own people. Well, you don't want your uh, someone from your own family or, or your your own kind to go to jail. You don't want them to go down the wrong path and do wrong things. Uh, so you know, if if you see them doing something wrong, maybe you'll try to uh, correct them or, or or complain about it somehow. But if you uh, really don't like someone or you want nothing to do with them or you see them as totally uh, a different culture and, and uh, you're, you're disgusted and you, and you keep your distance then why would you if you you don't even care about what they're doing yeah so should society be segregated then well you see the, the thing is is that you know I, I know it sounds horrible but to tell you the truth segregation actually uh, reduces crime and gets more peace and more people live the kind of life they want to live. The, the thing is, is that you don't necessarily need to be segregated on the basis of race or religion. You could just be segregated on the base of political uh, philosophy. Like, for example, if I'm a conservative, why can't I just live 
among fellow conservatives, like-minded people, regardless of their religion or their color or their race or anything. But now we're a bunch of people that, that are segregated on the base of our, basis of our political philosophy, and we all live the kind of life that we want to live. We don't, there's no uh, antagonism against us. And liberals could live in their own society and have everything they want and live with their fellow liberals you know, I know that that's, that's a, a thought that you don't hear talked about very often, but it seems to me like I would rather live, I'm a conservative, and I'd rather live in an area where everybody around me are also conservatives. Mm. Well, you said you don't hear very often, but actually I've been hearing uh, more often recently that there are a lot of people moving from one state to another just to be with the, uh, the people they agree with. There's a lot of... Uh, People who moved out of California, there's a uh, like a great exodus from California, where the people who just can't stand the taxes and the uh, rules of California are leaving to less regulated states like Texas, where there's a lot less taxes in in, in Texas. Yeah, unfortunately, some of the people that are leaving California are the nut jobs that created the problems in California in the first place. Those are the people that you don't want coming into your area. Right. So as long as they recognize what caused the problem in the first place, maybe they'll um, learn to do things a little bit differently. And as long as those people who caused the problem stay in the minority in the place they move to, they hopefully won't have too much of an influence uh, on, on the people in the place where they move to. Yeah, I, I agree, I ho hopefully. Well, guys, anything else, or do you want to wrap it up? Mm. Well, uh, there's a few more things about education. Schools should not be required for everyone. There's... While you're thinking, may I say something? Mm. Go ahead. You know that in, in hindsight, I mean, I've, I like to work with my hands. I was always, you know, I'm, I, I actually uh, uh, make uh, some of my uh, income to support myself and my family uh, by replacing and repairing windows in, in people's homes. Um, but when I look around me, I see the people that are into uh, heating and air conditioning, they call them the HVAC guys. That that's a um, uh, a skill that that uh, I if in hindsight, if I was young again, I would go to school to learn how to do air conditioning and refrigeration. I think that's what your dad did, didn't he? Right. And and so instead of teaching a lot of things that people don't need, they should teach things that you're you can actually use in the job so that you don't have to go to another uh, school after high school uh, just to learn something like heating and air conditioning. They should be able to teach at least something about that in high school. I remember when I was in the high school, I said, why can't we have some kind of a coding class? And uh, the, oh, the computer teacher said, we're not doing that. And I, I think maybe they did do that at some time before, but then they decided to stop doing it. Really, coding should, is not something that should have to be a college-level class. They should teach that in 
high, high school, maybe grammar school. Would you or, call it coding? Yes. Computer coding. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Right, you know, right. pr programming, just yeah. writing the, the, the programs sure. and, and the code for the computer. It's not so hard to do. Uh, it's just you write a, a line, this is the command, and this is the next command. If you just know what, how to write the commands, you can make the computer do really amazing things. And when you see the results of uh, just a little bit of effort in coding, a, a program that seeing the results can make you want to learn so much more yeah there's you know that a child's mind can absorb knowledge and information like a sponge and uh, and it's just a crime that you have so many children that are just wasting away learning just gobbledygook and then the, and at home they're watching that moron entertainment you know that is uh, probably causing more brain damage than education right and, and uh, for so many years American children are not expected to go to a work they're not expected to uh, do anything really more than school you I for many years I thought that there was too many years of school that are expected and how much of it is really useful anyway how much of it really is uh, did any uh, good for me for uh, the, the job I have or, or whatever I'm, I'm doing now? Was it really a good idea and how worth it was it? Well, you do agree that a person should have a well-rounded education, right? I mean, it doesn't hurt. To be, in order to be cultured, it's not a bad idea for a person, but I do agree with you that there should be some specialization, but but an overall, you know, like an umbrella, like so, an. So then, what you're talking about is more like uh, an indoctrination to the culture than actual education. Well, both. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously, I think we're indoctrinated to the culture that we born and live in and grow up in automatically, aren't we? I suppose. You know, but but so. But as far as school go, schooling goes, there should be a little bit of, you know, like a broad, you know, I mean, you don't have to go into depth, you know, like a liberal arts broad. The only problem is, is that, that liber, uh, liberal teachers have taken license with the whole liberal arts education to just put in a bunch of garbage in there that, that is more political opinion than it is any kind of education. But, but if you were to have an honest, objective, uh, you know, broad liberal arts education, it would, it would make for a well-rounded individual. And then you could focus on things that you're, you're specifically interested in as your profession. Right. It's good to – I agree that there's a lot of uh, interesting things that are good to know. And it's good to have a lot of people know uh, a, a broad uh, variety of things. Uh, but a lot of times what happens in class – is well the class is making too much noise the teacher can't teach and uh, she waits there for everyone to be quiet or uh, think about what happens in history class where um, a lot of times the history book is written with uh, early history in the beginning of the book and things closer to the present time and uh, later in the book uh, near the end so uh, every time we have history class we start at the beginning of the book and we learn the beginning of time and then uh, 
if if we don't get very uh further than the middle of the book or whatever we don't get anywhere near uh the last hundred years of time and we don't learn anything about recent history i think schools should learn uh, uh, i think schools should teach a lot more about recent history and i was really interested in learning more about that but i had to go to the history channel on tv or or the library or whatever to learn more about things that happened recently because we didn't uh, usually learn much about that in class. The problem is trying to get objective analysis about recent history because it seems like as if you, you've heard of rev revisionism, haven't you? Historical right. revisionism. And, and besides, history is written by the victors. And there, that's another thing. Everything is, seems to be uh, uh, tainted with, with certain biases, right? And, 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 and that's why it's good to know both sides of, of an argument. Because if you hear both sides in an honest debate, then, then people could make up their minds for themselves, and which is, in essence, where the thinking comes in. Right. And that's exactly what I was saying near the beginning of the recording, where I said we should teach people every kind of point of view that exists out there. Even if you have to say, well... Okay, some people think that the Earth is flat, and uh, show them the evidence that people uh, believe there is for the Earth being flat. In schools, you should teach that, and then show the evidence for the Earth being round. And if it looks like, uh, well, yeah, there's a lot more evidence for the Earth being round, then we, everyone can laugh at the evidence for uh, the, uh, the Earth being flat. And they they can forget about that because they just sound like a waste of time and money. Then I got to tell you something that, that to my astonishment and amazement, I have come across a few people, and and one of them a close friend that actually has bought into this flat Earth, you know, mentality and teaching, and and also. In a, not only that, but they, they also believe that uh, uh, once, once you accept you know, this whole idea that the earth is flat, the next thing is they, they teach you is that this whole notion that Galileo came up with of uh, everything orbiting around the sun is false, that in reality it's going back to that ancient um, uh, opinion that the whole universe revolves around the earth. And I'm going, are you serious? Do you really believe that? Do you believe that, that this massive sun is circling around this little tiny earth? Doesn't it make more sense to you that something that's got much less mass would orbit around something that has much more mass? You know, and, and, I'm, and, I, and all of a sudden something dawned on me, something that never occurred on me, to me before, that this, this stuff is being uh, pro promulgated or promoted by people with 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 nefarious uh, um, purposes in mind, you see. Once you get, once somebody starts discovering conspiracies, and conspiracies do exist in in real life. I mean, you can go overboard and become a conspiracy nut, but to think that there are no such thing as conspiracies, that's also wrong head headed because conspiracy is the basic nature of man. If you ever get three uh, competitors against each other, there's a very good likelihood the two of them will get together to try to knock out the third. 
And once you realize that and you start um, theorizing all the different mysterious and unexplained things that are happening in history and in our lives that are not explained by the BS that they're telling us on mainstream media, then you start to become a thinker. And but once you get go down that road of exploring the possibility of the conspiracies, the problem is is some people go too far and, and they go into La La Land. And what happens is is that this is encouraged by the dark side. And the reason why they encourage it is because once you start, you know, uh, uh, promoting and believing things like flat, flat Earth and, and that the, uh, everything revolves around the Earth instead of the way we understand the universe to actually function, that person that is making good arguments about conspiracies that might actually have relevance to them, they lose all credibility. So it's the whole purpose of this flat earth stuff is to make people lose credibility. So once you, you know, um, come up with some kind of a conspiracy, the people that are, that are trying to hide, you know, the, the, the culprits that are actually involved in the conspiracy, all they got to do is just say, oh, he's one of those flat earth nuts. Mm. And, th and then you, you, you've got nothing to stand on. Your credibility is shot. Right. And if you look at uh, Google Trends and other statistics, stuff like uh, uh, deny, uh, deny, people that deny uh, vaccines work, people that question it in any way, that, wasn't that did not really happen that much until 2010. Like, uh, in the 2010s, uh, suddenly, uh, it was all the rage to make fun of people for believing anything was uh, just off about it. And then... All this strange stuff happened in the past few years. Well, that's a, that reminds me of another book that I just recently read by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and uh, it was called The Real Anthony Fauci. And I got to tell you, the reason why that was happening starting about 10 or 12 years ago is because this guy Fauci, I mean, you talk about a dirty bird. This guy, this is one guy I, I wouldn't want to be on in his shoes on Judgment Day. Let me tell you, you know, mm -hmm. this guy has has been in so many, you know, dirty things that have hurt other human beings. I mean, he's responsible for actually, you know, I don't want to exaggerate, but but many thousands of people dying in Africa. I mean. Even, even you must have heard the stories about him, uh, you know, spending four hundred thousand dollars on programs that caused dogs that actually died from from insects, insect bites, mm -hmm. and and he was, and and there was no purpose to this, just to see how long it would take for the dog to to die from being eaten up alive by insects. I heard about that. I mean, I mean, can you imagine? So obviously, if you've got dark people like that running around and somebody starts getting wise to them, the first thing they're going to start screaming is conspiracy nuts, right? Well, that's the only way they have to discredit the people who would reveal what they're doing in darkness. So, so that's why, first of all, nobody should be afraid of being called a conspiracy nut. But on the other hand, we should know our limits and not go too far and start accepting crazy ideas, in my opinion, like flat earth and other things like that. Because when you look at the logical arguments on both sides, like you said earlier, the evidence to support 
you know, that the earth as a globe is overwhelmingly uh, greater and superior in every way and shape. Right, and my po my main point in saying about uh, the the flat Earth idea is it's better to, for ideas to be laughed out of the room f than for the idea to be censored. Everyone should be able to see the idea and make their own judgment, and then uh, whatever consequence, uh, if they believe it or not, uh, you know, instead of censoring it, yeah, let it, let people decide on their uh, on their own. Amen to that. Amen to that. That's exactly the way I feel. Well, I think that this is a good uh, uh, program. And uh, folks, tune in to uh, a future broadcast of uh, whitepoststudio.com. Uh, and till then, adios. Goodbye. <laughs>